Welcome to What's Cooking Palm Beach with Chef David Pantone, Dean of the Lincoln Culinary Institute in West Palm Beach, also known as the Food Dude. Chef Pantone has been serving up amazing meals and desserts at some of the finest hotels and restaurants in New York City, Miami, and Palm Beach for most of his life. Now let's head into the kitchen with What's Cooking Palm Beach, presented by Lincoln Culinary Institute, a division of Lincoln College of Technology, sponsored in part by Duffy's Sports Grill. Yes, welcome to What's Cooking Palm Beach here on News Radio 1290 WJNO. Joel Malkin here, as usual, with Chef David Pantone by my side. He is the dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute uh, right on 45th Street, just to the west of 95 in, uh, in West Palm Beach. Uh, still need to get over to Cafe Protégé. Oh, yeah. you got to. This week is final exam week, so they're doing their best. Yeah. And uh, next week, start uh, class. a new class flips in, so it'll be awesome. They'll recreate the menu, everything from scratch. It's like opening up a restaurant every six weeks. And we you know, we mentioned this last week when we had, um, I'm so bad with names. Kelly. Yes, Kelly LaFasa. Kelly was here. Yes, Kelly LaFasa, and she uh, actually is, is uh, wrapping up her uh, studies there at uh, Lincoln Culinary. Um, but uh, you will find her quite often at uh, Cafe Protégé, not eating, but working. Just, well, maybe eating as well. Hey, well, you have to taste everything. Yes. <laughs> That's what we don't eat. But we it is. Taste we, we and, talked to, and we talked about it last weekend, and we want to stress, it is open to the public. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not only getting yourself a good meal at a decent price, but you're you're also helping these students learn. So uh, I need to get over there myself. You do. Call 1-800-TOP-CHEF. 1-800-TOP-CHEF. The original Top Chef. Yeah, you had it, it first. That's right. Long time. At Lincoln Culinary Institute. All right, let's get on with the show. It's What's Cooking... At Palm Beach and uh, Chef David Pantone here again, Dean over at Lincoln Culinary Institute. Uh, if you haven't listened to this show yet, uh, uh, Chef, tell us what it's all about. It's just amazing, my friends. It's all about food. Come on, what else? What, what's better to talk about than food? So it's uh, food, it's different types of food, it's cooking, it's food and wine pairing, it's healthy cooking, it's superfoods, food in the news, food events in the area. Obviously, I'm obsessed with food. <laughs> I, I can sense a trend here. In my world, food is everything. It's been my life. Very funny. Uh, here, um, a, a week ago, we had... Uh, uh, is it Alden or Alton Brown? Alton Brown. I'm so bad with this. The uh, he's. I guess he's got his own show on the Food Network. He has One many those, shows. I, know, I, I felt like an I'm idiot. an Alton Everybody, Brown fan. My whole family. He was here. You should have popped in. Yeah, I'm uh, a little disappointed. So a week ago yesterday, I guess he had a show at the Kravis Center that night. I brought 24 what students there. What did he do at the Kravis Center? Did he cook? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not familiar. I he didn't saw actually him here. cook. Let's go with that. They, he did make pizza. With this giant machine that uses these giant spotlights, okay. so he built this crazy sciency oven. He's kind of odd, and odd people like me like that. Mm-hmm. We don't want just a regular <laughs> Susie Homemaker kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, he sounds like he, like he's a real personality. They had him on the Mo and Sally show over at uh, Cool One Hundred Five Five. Your, your friends yeah. of mine, uh, Mo and Sally, and uh, uh, they were you know joking with him, and and Sally uh, had him try something that she made and. <sighs> Uh, it was uh, it was really cool, and they put it up at their website. So anyway, he's got huge attitude. He's he's, he's got a huge following. Yeah, he's, he's a huge I mean, following. The, I have the people, ten of his books. My boys have his books. We just love him. The whole building, even more so than when you're here, Chef. The whole what? building was people from other sections, and we have a pretty big building. For those of you who haven't been here, it's a pretty big building. As far as you know, there's a lot of other areas that uh, uh, people don't usually come into this area yeah. um, unless there's a reason. And this guy was here. And it was packed. There were people standing outside the studio watching this guy. It's so pretty I, awesome. Just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, Alden. Alden. Alton. Alton. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Brown. We call him A.B. Alton <laughs> Brown. If you're listening, Mr. Brown, I'm sorry I'm the one guy I'm that's sure not sure he listens to this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope so. He might. Maybe he can learn something. We, we learn from each other. And, and so what we do with this show here, What's Cooking Palm Beach, is um, w- rather than just run down what's coming up, we like to do it in uh, menu form. Love it. That's so, it's, we, <laughs> again, goes along with your food theme, Chef. It does, yep. So tell us what's going on. What's on today's menu? On today's menu, we'll start with a delicious appetizer. The starter will be superfood of the week. We'll spin the big wheel and find out which superfood food we're going to feature. We'll move on to a – hey, usually this is the last course of the meal, but today it's going to be our main course, and we've actually turned it into a main course. We're going to talk about coffee today. So today's main course, Chef Special, the lesson of the day is about coffee. And we have a coffee recipe that's used in a uh, as an entree that I think you're going to like. And we also have food, a guest calling in. Mm. So we also have a uh, an email from a listener, really cool one. 
And we've got some events in the news and some food in the news. Yeah, some some food in the news. And uh, one of the things uh, might actually bode well for a little bit of extra bacon in your diet. Perhaps? Perhaps. We'll find out about that (laughs) later on in the show. Um, Right now we're going to talk about superfoods. And uh, a chef's going to tell us what what are we talking about? What is a superfood? Great. So we have a list of food. You'll find superfoods all over the Internet. And uh, it's a term used for foods that uh, people want us to eat. Okay, so I have my own food list, my own superfood list. And to make that food list, first and foremost, that food must be nutrient-dense, right? So calorie for calorie, it needs to be jam-packed with something that's good for you. No, it, Really, the opposite is, is a nutrient wasteland, right? No empty calories. So whatever the, uh, the food uh, f- uh, superfood of the week is, it's going to be high in vitamins, high in antioxidants, anti-inflammatory, something pretty wonderful for you. It also needs to be available, right, readily available, like at your grocery store. We're not going to pick any crazy exotic things that you can't get. It needs to be affordable, too. I don't want you to bust the budget and uh, buy something that you can't afford to have and uh, work into your diet all the time. So nutrient-dense, nutrient-dense, affordable, and available. All right. Those are the, uh, the the three things that it has to be for us to feature here on Superfoods. And we have a big wheel, and uh, there's just a bunch of Superfoods on it. And every week we, we spin the wheel, and uh, we land on it, and then we talk about that. And we're going to do that uh, right after I give you the email. I just want you, if you have any questions about anything you hear on the show, you can hit them up. What's cooking at chefpantone.com, Pantone spelled P-A-N-T-O-N-E, kind of just like it sounds, right? That's how it yeah, sounds so to me. What's cooking at chefpantone.com, and all of the uh, ingredients of uh, 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 any recipes that we talk about today or whatnot, you can find those at chefpantone.com as well. Uh, you ready to spin the wheel? Let's do it. I'm all warmed up. All right, let's go. <laughs> come on, come, come, come. Radishes. Son of a gun, who doesn't like radishes? Uh, Let's see. Know, I know you go to a salad bar once in a while. You, what do you? I, yeah, I think yeah. of radishes as um, yeah. as something for aesthetics and and not really to eat. Oh, you kind of see them there. They are pretty. They, yeah, they got the white inside and then the red on the outside. Yeah. Kind of like an apple, but not really, right? No. Yeah, yeah. red on the outside, white. <laughs> got it. But what, do you put them on your salad at the salad bar? No, no. Okay, I don't know. Don't. <laughs> I've tasted Joel's them. Afraid of radishes, big boy. I'm afraid like of a lot of okay, food. Okay, that's um, it. Well, you know, and I and I I see them on if they're already mixed in. I think sometimes you buy the bags of lettuce and they've got the stuff mixed in. I'll eat them, yeah. and they really have no taste. At all. At least I don't uh, think. If I would have known the wheel was going to end on radishes, I would have brought some to you. Often, right, and we're talking about the peak of ripeness. That's all of our superfoods. That's all that a chef wants to use. He doesn't want to or she doesn't want to use old processed foods. So the radishes, when they're fresh, they start out sweet on the front of your palate, and then they get a little peppery, hmm. and then they'll get a little sweet again as you uh, swallow them. However, that's our regular ruby red radish, the cute one that you're talking about. There's hundreds and hundreds of different radishes from little tiny guys up to giant two and a half foot long, five inch thick daikons, these big white radishes wow. usually used in Japanese food, Asian food. You can carve things with them. What, what's their score, by the way? Radishes are 200, I'm sorry, 502 on the superfood scale. Wow. So that's pretty good. Reason why they reach a 502, right? Very high in vitamin A, um, very high in vitamin C, folic acid, manganese, uh, vitamin K, fiber, uh, all these great things, phytochemicals. Uh, studies say that it will help reduce, reduce certain kinds of cancer. And we're not the doctor show, we're the food show. Right. So you do your own research on that. Uh, sulfur-based chemicals found in the radishes may promote bioproduction, which helps for healthy livers and gallbladders and improves digestion. They, uh, they come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors. They have four different types that uh, they're usually in categories winter spring summer and fall each one's a little different they are gonna break out different. song there for a second kind of like winter spring do. summer and fall all you got to do James is Taylor, eat right? your radishes and everything <laughs> i didn't rhyme it i'll work on it well you got a friendship yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a friend in radishes they will be your friend Right, just uh, you can eat the leaves too. The leaves uh, absorb any any of these leaves are, are usually pretty wonderful, unless they're poisonous. Of course, you should know the difference. Now, do do people ever is is a radish known as something? Sometimes I'll take a cucumber, I'll cut it up in pieces, and I know it's one of those on diets. It's one of those free foods. Typically, mm-hmm. you can just sit and eat them, kind of like lettuce. Do people do that with radishes? 
I'll bet you some people do, hmm, especially okay. different kinds. Those little red ones, I like to dip them in a in a hummus or dip them in some kind of a, a dip. That yeah, as opposed maybe to a chip a or yoga. something, sure. Yeah, right, right. And it, when you appreciate the flavor, once you get to know it, you could love it and appreciate it. A regular chip, we love it really because it's fatty and salty. Mm. Our DNA loves fat, loves sugar, loves salt. That's what keeps us going. And uh, as cavemen, we needed to hunt for those kind of things because fat meant it was related to protein. Fat burns slowly in your body. You live a long time. Sugar means more calories. We're not cavemen anymore, so we don't need as many calories. So you want to stay away from the processed foods, which your body is always looking for, and the fatty sugar foods. Go with the natural, the radishes. Do it a couple times. I think you're going to like it. All right. So radishes are generally, like you said, the little red ones with white inside, shaved real thin, tossed over salad, ta-da, there you go. And that's a wonderful way to use them, too. I included a recipe for a, a little more complex salad, right? I'm, I'm like that sometimes. Black barley, fennel, and radish salad. And uh, you cook the barley separately. You cool it down. You mix it with the uh, fennel and with uh, some kosher salt, a little orange juice, lime juice, some shallots, mix it all together, a little fresh dill, orange zest, walnuts. Amazing. Joel, where can we get that recipe? You can get that recipe at chefpantone.com. Excellent. It's P-A-N-T-O-N-E.com. And uh, uh, you can check that out. And any really any of the recipes that you ever hear, you can find that there. And I know we have an email question coming up a little bit later in the show. What's cooking at chefpantone.com uh, for that as well? Um, what else? What else is there? You, is that the only one you have with radishes? That's the only recipe I put up uh, with radishes. Uh, if somebody requests them, I'll put some more. Certain cultures don't eat their radishes raw. They only stew them. They cook them in stews, like maybe the one we're going to have later today. Just saying. Uh, they either saute them, they braise them. A lot of it comes has to do with where your family comes from and where your great grandmother comes from. There's just different parts. They only eat them raw mostly in Asia, other parts where they cook them all the time. And I guess it depends on what type of radish they had. The reason they cooked them, because maybe they were really hard, maybe they were a little bitter and needed to have some uh, sweetness added to them by the cooking process. So we have evolved into an American society that really sees radish. That's the red thing on the outside, white on the inside. It's put on a salad bar, and sometimes we look the other way because we're afraid of it. No fear of food, right? You're listening to this show. You know that. No fear of food. All right. It is uh, What's Cooking Palm Beach here on WJNO. That's Chef David Pantone, uh, Dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute in West Palm. I'm Joel Malkin. We're going to take an email from a listener right after this. Treat your sweetheart to Duffy's on Valentine's Day. Enjoy a center-cut New York strip steak with your choice of a Maryland-style crab cake or crispy coconut shrimp and one side dish for just $17.95. Continue the celebration with Duffy's two-for-one drinks available all day, every day, on everything from the bar. And yes, that includes both draft and bottle beer, top shelf cocktails, and even premium wines. Duffy's has the food you love. Perfect for treating your sweetheart. Visit Duffy'sMVP.com to find a location near you. Training in skilled trades like HVAC prepares you for careers that build America. Start now at Lincoln College of Technology. At their West Palm Beach campus, you can gain technical skills and practical knowledge in refrigeration fundamentals, residential climate control, basic electricity, and more. Visit LincolnEDU.com for student consumer information and to schedule a campus tour. Lincoln College of Technology. For careers that build America, visit LincolnEDU.com today. Welcome back to What's Cooking Palm Beach here on WJNO. I'm Joel Malkin with David Pantone, the chef and dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute in uh, West Palm Beach. Uh, we're going to take an email from a listener, Chef. This is from Jay out of Gainesville. Listens to the show probably on uh, iHeartRadio. Exactly. The app. Get that uh, free app right on your smartphone. He says, why does garlic turn green and how does it affect flavor? I didn't even know garlic turned green. You'll know it when you see it. Uh, he sent me a picture of uh, his leftover Chinese uh, spicy garlic shrimp. Mm. And <laughs> the question was, can I eat this? Is it nuclear? What's going on here? And it was pretty it amazing. Bad? Yeah. It was kind of the coolest picture I've seen of the green garlic. I've seen garlic green before. And um, he wanted to know if it would kill him or whatever. I don't. He's a college kid, so I don't know if he ate it anyways. But I already sent him back the message. I didn't want him to have to wait this long for it. So um, – Garlic turns green sometimes. The reason it turns green is kind of a combination. The age of the garlic, 
So it usually tells me it's old, like maybe from last season. Because garlic's white, right? It should there, be beautiful there, are there white. Different, I know we were talking about radishes, and oh, there's different colors. There's but garlic. black garlic, too. Black garlic is a really okay. cool thing. Right. That's something different, and uh, that's pressurized, aged, and fermented garlic. Really interesting. That's not what's going on here. This is garlic that's generally old. Maybe it's from last year's harvest. Maybe it's sat in a refrigerator for mm. a long time. Just because it looks fresh doesn't mean it's fresh. Often at this time, that little sprout will come out of the top like it's trying to grow into a garlic plant. So it's a combination of old and then acidity. So if you take that garlic and mix it with some vinegar and you're making a saute, something like that, might be okay right then, but it will turn green in a couple of hours. The oddest green-blue nuclear uh, radiated thing you ever saw. Does it glow in the dark? It glows in the dark. (laughs) Maybe not. But it's really odd color there, and um, theoretically it's harmless, okay? has a kind of different flavor, an extra strong garlicky flavor. So it will change the flavor of what you've made. It will make it taste uh, more garlicky and not a real pleasant garlicky flavor actually, uh, but uh, 100% harmless. And uh, so an acid and age combination there. So, Jay, I think your uh, Chinese restaurant was using old garlic. Uh, yeah, so it's harmless. It might be just a little old, but uh, you know, well, garlic eventually can go bad, right? Uh, Everything spoils. Maybe moldy. Yeah, I don't think it would. Um, it would be spoldy. Uh, it would get spoiled from moldiness. Now, the Chinese have a pickled garlic dish that they serve on Chinese New Year's called um, lama uh, or laba, laba l-a-b-a, garlic. laba garlic. And they age it for a couple of months and the, to make it old, just like we talked about. And then they marinate it in a uh, vinegar for a couple of weeks, and it turns a pleasantly odd color of green. Uh, different than your shrimp looks when uh, when you do it. So, And then they eat it for Chinese New Year's. It brings good luck. It's uh, it's That's how it's supposed to be. So, uh, you know, we always hear about the uh, health benefits of garlic. Remember, garlic, magnifique, <laughs> uh, what's his name, uh, Larry King. Oh, Larry King. Larry oh, King yeah, live. he did commercials. Yes. I met Larry King. Great guy. Very nice guy. I could tell a whole story. We have a show to but do. But that's but, another uh, show. Very nice guy. But he always did those garlic commercials. Magnifique. I've got nothing bad to say about garlic. I it's, think it's uh, amazing. got some health benefits. Just, just, you know, they just had the, we were talking about it last week, they just had the garlic, uh, garlic uh, festival. Garlic festival. Uh, in uh, Delray Beach. Uh, so, so uh, Jay, it's okay to eat it. Um, it's just very odd to look at. All right, we are uh, going to get to Chef Special of the Day, and that is, of course, uh, some people call it Java. Uh, we call it coffee around these parts, and we're going to do that right after this on What's Cooking Palm Beach. If that sound gets your motor running, it's time for a career with a little extra horsepower. Lincoln College of Technology is now enrolling for hands-on automotive technology training. Learn the skills that can help you launch an automotive career today. Visit LincolnEDU.com. It's What's Cooking Palm Beach here on News Radio 1290 WJNO. Joel Malkin here with Chef David Pantone from Lincoln Culinary Institute. And um, all right, time to wake up because uh, we are talking about your special of the day, and it is coffee. Um, I, this is really interesting. We're going to spend about a minute and a half on uh, the background of coffee, something that people don't really think of, but the historical ramifications. So I have to of do coffee. eighteen centuries of coffee in a minute and a half. Yeah. Sure, imagine it's Here's the Cliff Notes version. Uh, you're in Ethiopia. It's about the ninth century, and Kaldi, the goat herder, noticed that his goats were kind of getting on their back two feet there and picking with their teeth, of course, not their hands, red coffee beans. And then he noticed they were galloping and prancing throughout the uh, fields and and uh, f- saw that they had such a high energy. So he took it home and he, and he boiled them and he got a buzz from it, I guess. And it became known as a, a drink that gives you energy. It went through Ethiopia, through Egypt, Yemen, Middle East, Europe, to the United States, and it was not very popular in the United States during colonial times. We were more interested in our alcoholic beverages and tea at that time. And that really changed with the Revolutionary War. We had a big party one day in 1773, right? In Boston, we had the Boston Tea Party. So we threw all of their tea overboard because of taxation without representation, right? We learned that in school. And that's when coffee became really popular in the United States. Uh, then the... Um, the British actually banned coffee and blockaded coffee. How during, dare they? How dare? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. They did that with tea. They banned tea. Oh, it was tea. They, they, they ban cut tea. off. They That's cut okay. off our tea imports in um, at the War of 1812. So right. we said, "Enough of you guys over there. We're going to be coffee guys." And since then, 
We've been drinking a lot of coffee in the United States. Wow. So you did. You got that done in about uh, 89 seconds. That's <laughs> okay. good. good job there. Uh, world production, and this is going back to 2011, uh, but I guess probably the most recent uh, year that they have uh, information. What is this, the top 20 uh, green coffee producers? Sure. It all starts off as the uh, there's a red berry, and inside the berry are two halves of the seed, and they are the green seed, and that's really what's traded. Then the roaster roasts that, and then that's what they do at uh, Oceana Coffee. They get green beans. So biggest producer is going to be Brazil, then Vietnam, Indonesia, Colombia, Ethiopia. Everybody else is just really small compared to that. But we don't I make don't much even, coffee here in America. Don't even know where the United States fits on their number. I have no idea. Hundred. But we do have coffee real, fields here. A little bit, yeah. Hawaii okay. does some good coffee. Maybe have a couple micro places where, where we have nice warm subtropic, but really, really tiny. We do import a lot of the green beans. We roast a lot. We consume a lot. We don't grow a lot. Um, and let's talk about, you often hear about a light roast, a dark roast, and all that. What are they talking about here? Is it just the color, or is there more to it? Yeah, well, it starts with just the culinary. Just like uh, just like in cooking, time and temperature are very important. So it's the temperature the beans are roasted at and the time they're in there, right? The longer they're in there, at the higher the temperature, the darker they get. And uh, vice versa for light roast coffees. Uh, The dark roasted coffees generally have uh, a stronger coffee flavor. They have a richer body because more fibers uh, pulled out. And they have more sugar from the bean. This is micro amounts of sugar. Don't get excited. But that helps to to make it a little bit more viscous. It adds more body to it. Where the lighter roast coffees maybe are a shorter time at a lower temperature, it develops a more complex coffee flavor. You might think it's a stronger coffee flavor as opposed to the darkers might have a stronger overall flavor a robust flavor and uh that has to do with all has to do with the type of beans and the time and the temperature that's about it it's really simple wow uh, but it's complicated in perfecting what you want out of it um we have uh you know most people think about the coffee you know as part not only is it flavorful but it feels like it you know wakes you up or whatnot and right. a little bit later we're going to talk about the myths and facts so it may or may not really do that mm-hmm. maybe it's in our head um it does but, for me <laughs> but uh they also have uh decaf how do they how do they decaf uh decaffeinate the sure coffee? the two common ways to decaffeinate coffee there's a natural method where it's steeped in water and that's called the switch swiss water method that's um, all of your better coffees are going to be like that. The other way is that they're steamed in a chemical solvent that draws out the uh, caffeine from the bean. Now, the caffeine, right, is even more precious than the coffee, right? Especially when you do the decaf, you sell the decaf coffee to the brewer or somebody. The caffeine gets sold to the pharmaceutical companies. Caffeine is used in so many different pharmaceuticals, especially like ibuprofen. You read on the label, caffeine is one of the key ingredients. It helps with the headaches. Hmm. Right, so that's good too. Coffee you want to store in a um, a closed container, an airtight con- container, whether it's um, ceramic or plastic or tin, something so that air can't get inside. Especially in humid Florida, right, South Florida, the the humidity, the moisture is the enemy. So that's why the often say don't store it in the refrigerator because your refrigerator or freezer has a lot of humidity in it usually. Right, airtight containers. Brewing, right? I keep saying time and temperature. You want to brew your coffee at about 205. That's why your coffee machine doesn't boil. 205 is the right temperature. You hold it at about 185 degrees, and then you serve it at about 154, which is a little cold for me, to about 174. That's how I like it. I like a hot cup of coffee. Now, when you go to some of these places that serve uh, coffee, they, you know, they'll always ask you, hot or cold? Because, you know, nowadays we have all the, the cold coffees. Is that a special bean that's used for that? Yeah, when it's done by an artisan coffee roaster, like at Oceana that we're going to talk to, it is, uh, they have a very special blend. Scott's worked a long time to get that special blend. At a regular place, they're just going to put ice cubes in their hot coffee. For me, I like my coffee in the afternoon cold, so it doesn't warm me up anymore, and I can drink it faster and get the uh, caffeine fix that I need. And you know what? Speaking about uh, speaking of coffee, chef, we have on the line right now, uh, right on time. He's calling in uh, Scott Angelo of Oceana Coffee in Tequesta. Scott, how you doing today? Very well, guys. How you doing? Doing Excellent, well. Doing you. well. I, I haven't had my coffee yet, but uh, <laughs> and I've had three cups already, so <laughs> you, I'm flying can, high. Can you think of a nice place where I could get some coffee? <laughs> Actually, I know of a couple of little places up in Tequesta that'll be uh, just right up your alley. Uh, I got the Roasting House uh, on Old Dixie Highway, and the brand new one. Uh, on US one now at one fifty one US one uh, to Quest, so 
Okay, so, we're talking brand new, like a couple of days ago, right? Brand new, first trading day Friday, and uh, still smells of fresh paint. <laughs> you know, uh, Scott, we've been talking about uh, you know all the different types of coffees. You got the the dark roast, the lighter roasts, and uh, uh, you know, uh, coffee alleviating headaches and things like that. What what can you add to the mix here? What's interesting, um, you know, the part for the coffee for me is is what we what we roast is specialty grade coffee. So to become a specialty grade coffee, it has to be um, less than five percent defect in green bean form. So it really puts itself into that top 5% of all coffees available in the world. Um, and, the, and my style of roasting, my, the way I like to roast, is more dictated by the coffee than it is by myself. You know, I like to accentuate what the farmers have done and what they put into it, as well as their regions of where the coffees are from, dictates to me how I roast the coffee. So I love the so way you say I, that. That's the way a chef thinks about the food. The farmers and God and everybody made the food. Our job is not to mess it up. Let all the goodness come out and treat it the best way it would like to be treated. And it sounds like you do that with the beans. Where that bean is, you look at that bean, you study that bean, you understand that bean, you have an intimate relationship with that bean, and then you use your skill and technique to make it taste the best that it can. Love that. Very true. It's um, strange but unique that I have, yes. We have a very intimate intimate knowledge of the bean and – very close relationship. I like to get to know them very well. We um, um, have some myths and facts about coffee. I thought it would be good to hold on to these for, for when you get on the line and, and talk about some of these. You game? Oh. Yeah, see how I do. All right. Um, I'm going to go through some of these. I mean, we have coffee is fat-free. Um, that's apparently a myth? Um, that's, a good, that's a great question, actually. I've heard zero calories in coffee. That's that's a fact. Um, yeah. As for the fat, I think maybe some of the oils within the coffee that's produced could be contained or could be um, categorized as fat. Probably not as fat as we know them, but definitely the oils are in there. There's definitely oils within the coffee. Now, Chef got these uh, uh, myths and facts about coffee from uh, the Daily Mail. Amy Anderson, the uh, author. Exactly. Yep. Um, she says, what, 2.5% fat after brewing espresso coffee um the uh, filter coffee contains 0.6 percent and it is mainly the milk or cream taken with the coffee that adds the fat so uh, there that's there, there so go. it's not actually in the coffee so it's not in the bean again we talk about the bean the natural part of the coffee if we could just leave it alone and just have black coffee yeah right i was gonna say yeah yeah i think they're and this factor fiction or myth or, or whatever yeah. is there's always shades of gray in there. And I think that there is fat in the coffee, very low. And so USDA will say it's far below the amount that we have to say that there's uh, any in there. Now, if you're concerned about the fat, this one's a good one. This says that it's a fact that coffee makes you more physically active. Fact uh, or fiction? That, yeah. It's a definite uh, I know I've experimented on my own body multiple times <laughs> levels that it can consume, and I can definitely say that uh, it definitely raises the heart rate and definitely uh, raises the energy level. There you go. So that causes you to be more physically active. Perfect. Myth or fact? Always hard to give up coffee. I've heard that. Much, I've heard that a lot, um, and I think it's not so much. I don't know. Personally, um, it would be very difficult for me, both in my line of work and both in my pursuit of a great cup. Uh, but it, I've heard that caffeine can be uh, difficult for the body to give up, definitely. Well, Amy Anderson with the Daily Mail says it's a myth. We, we wow. may disagree with her on some of these things, but uh, she says a tiny percentage of the population who may be sensitive to the mild stimulant effects of caffeine may experience withdrawal symptoms such as headache and leth- uh, lethargy. Yep. Lethargy. It's lethargic. lethargy. Yeah, I've never heard of. I've never heard it used that way. But anyway, if they suddenly stop drinking it, okay, lethargy. I was going to say it that way, but it didn't sound right because it's lethargic. I, I could be wrong, but okay. I like the way it sounds. Well, these symptoms can be avoided by cutting down gradually over a few days. Most people just feel slightly less alert in the mornings when they stop drinking coffee. I mean, she says it's a myth, but technically that's true. Then I guess yeah, that's how you I look at it. I was going to say that sounds like she's contradicting 
talking about yeah. that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I guess what really matters is how it affects you, yourself. I know for me, if I miss my afternoon coffee, I'll start to get a headache. If I don't have any coffee for the day, the headache is going to come, mm. so it makes me want to have some coffee. I haven't gone a long time without it. I'm sure I can wean myself of it, but I don't. I choose not to. How about drinking coffee as an aid to weight loss, Scott? And honestly, that would have to be a bit, you know, the amount of uh, controversial bits and pieces that have been floating around and you know, having coffee. I mean, it, I'm sure it increases your metabolism, and that equals fat loss. Me, personally, I wouldn't put coffee in front of somebody who's trying to lose weight. Well, especially when you go to... Especially you go to some of these places, it's not even coffee anymore, it's a dessert. <laughs> it's practically yeah, ice cream. So much, especially, there's so many of the drinks out there, so much stuff is added to them. It's, right. You know, there's no, unless you come to Oceania, I mean, you're not really getting a pure cup of coffee made for you. It's something with a ton of stuff that's added to it. Well, Amy Anderson with Daily Mail says it's a fact. She says caffeine has been shown to lead to a temporary increase, and you kind of hit on this, though, uh, in the metabolic uh, metabolic rate. I'm really batting a 1,000 with these words today. I'm going back to school. Uh, and the rate of fat breakdown, although increases in energy expenditure caused by caffeine are small, they may be a benefit in some weight loss programs. But I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that I would recommend it. Uh, I don't think any doctor would, and, and again, we're not the doctor yeah. show, like Chef always said, but I wouldn't recommend it for a weight loss program. Well, if you get jacked up on the caffeine, it depends what you do at that time. If you watch television, you're not going to lose any weight. <laughs> but if you go for a run, hey, it, maybe uh, you'll lose some weight there. Uh, coffee is certain to make it hard to sleep. Myth or fact? That's a, that has to be a fact. I know my, uh, my lovely wife cannot have coffee after about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Otherwise... Cannot sleep for the rest of the Same with me. Well, I can go to about 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. If I have some big presentation to do in the evening, I'll have one at 5 o'clock. I'll get jacked up, and it can't be after that. I have friends who can drink double espressos before bed. It's why do I feel like, why do I feel like we're going to have, we're gonna have people emailing Amy Anderson before <laughs> we're done with the Daily I Mail? Can, uh, so what is, well, I say for me, it, it's of no effect. Actually, I get, a, I get a really good sleep if I have a double shot and hit, hit the bed. So wow. Wow. She says it's a myth. She says the effect of caffeine on the ability to fall asleep differs hugely between individuals. Some people who drink coffee in the evening find they have no problem sleeping. Others find its stimulant effect makes it uh, means it takes them much longer to fall asleep. But a higher proportion of poor sleepers and good sleepers appear to metabolize caffeine particularly slowly. And that's why doctors often recommend that people who are having problems getting to sleep refrain from drinking coffee in the late afternoon or early evening. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're having the caffeine-free... You're okay. That would be right. different. I think each of these, whether she says they're f- a myth or whether they're a fact, the, after she describes it, it's all about the each person's right. individuality. Right. So, yeah, I guess the, the blanket statement is it's, it does not always make it hard to sleep for everybody. Um, wow. This one? This one's a myth? Coffee is a diuretic. I'm just going to give that out right there. I, I heard that was a fact. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. She She says no. She says no. With normal consumption of three or four cups a day, studies have found the diuretic effects of coffee to be negligible only when there's a high intake that appears to have a diuretic effect. So you have to drink a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, We're the fun food show, not the doctor show. What about the high blood pressure thing with coffee? Does it cause high blood pressure? Well... (laughs) Definitely raise your heart rate. I don't know about your blood pressure, but definitely raises the heart rate. Well, she says it's a myth that it doesn't uh, necessarily. Let's see what she says here. Habitual coffee drinkers have been shown to have a similar blood pressure to non-coffee drinkers. However, some people who have not consumed coffee for a period of time and then start to drink it may experience a small, short-term rise in blood pressure. This rise would be no greater than that experience when engaging in active conversation or laughing. So doesn't sound like it's uh, a big issue. At least not according to Amy Anderson with the Daily Mail. <laughs> How about this? All of these are fact and fiction, depending on you. Let's focus on a great cup of coffee. That's right. If you're going to have it, that's the key, right? If you're going to have it, have the best you can get. Tell us about that. What's the difference between a good cup of joe and a great, amazing cup of joe? Well, you know, one of the one of the things I say often is life's too short for a bad cup of coffee. Love it. Uh, is that is that um, like the slogan? Is that is that your that should be your slogan <laughs> if it's not? That's not our it's not our tagline. Our tagline is the waste of good coffee. Okay. That's a good one you know, too. It, we, it's it's all about the bean. It's about the bean, uh, the origin, and the and what I do is to go and purchase just the right bean, um, and then it's how we roast it, and of course the the final step for us is the how we serve it to the to the public. And we train. We spend a lot of time 
with our team and with our baristas to make sure that what gets served across the counter is a great cup of coffee. So um, a lot goes into, even before the customer drinks that first amazing cup of coffee, there's a lot, there's so much that's gone into it up to that point. So um, a great cup of coffee is, you know, it's, it, it's very much in, in line with uh, wine. You know, it's a, the right bean in the right climate, at the right altitude, in the, with the right process behind it. Um, bought by bought by a micro roaster like myself, and and experimented with to find just the sweet spot within that bean of how it really sings its own tune. So you know, there's so much goes into it, and uh, and like I said, the final step, our baristas um, are very well trained. They do a lot of work behind the espresso machine. They do a lot of work with the manual flow through pour over methods, the more intricate methods that I. Um, that I shared, shared there with Chef David um, when he visited, and you know, it's, it's about the care taken to to um, give that great cup of coffee across the counter. You know, he he embraces coffee like you embrace food. Yeah, I can, can hear that. Feel it's, the it's love. A, he's the he's the chef Pantone of coffee. Oh, or I'm the Scott uh, Angelo of food. Yeah. Um, tell us before we let you go. Tell us more about uh, Oceana. You got the two stores. How many different varieties uh, do you offer? Uh, well, that's a great question. On on average, um, I carry uh, seven different um, yearly coffees. So coffees that are that are available from a particular region all year round. Not always. Um, I can't always get them from the same farms, but I do have them all from the same region. And and then um, I have another three to four that I bring in that are called that I call my seasonals. Um, and I'm only they're only available at one time through the year. Like currently, we're carrying. Um, a coffee from Indonesia from the country Bali. Um, a spectacular coffee. It's only available for uh, three to four months a year for us, and then it disappears and we get it back again uh, towards the end of the year. But you know, on average, we carry around 10 different coffees available, plus a, um, a Swiss water decaf that we uh, chemical free. All right. Well. Um, and, and you have one from Guatemala, and I, with your accent, I want to hear you pronounce the name of this. What, uh, the Guatemala way, way Tenango. Oh, it's a lot easier than it looks. <laughs> yes, it is. It's got about four H's, <laughs> six T's, eight N's. I don't know what's going on with it. Okay, the Guatemala way. I'm still not going to try it. but uh, it's, it's interesting. The one that trips me up is the farm that it comes on, comes from. So the, the region, the uh, country Guatemala from the region, way, way Tenango, and then the farm is spelled very simply but very difficult for me to say. It's spelled H-U-I-X-O-C. That's the farm. So. Yeah, I'm not trying that one either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying that one either. So. I can't say that word. Um, tell us, uh, tell us about your two locations once again, and uh, and and how somebody can find you online if possible, and we could also get a phone number out there. Yeah, um, we have the roasting house is, is on uh, two twenty one Old Dixie Highway in Sequesta. Um, you can catch me roasting at least three three days a week. It's uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday to guaranteed roasting days. And uh, then we have the brand new cafe on uh, US Highway 1, 150 North US Highway 1, and that's in Sequenza. Um, it's brand new. The grand opening's on February 20th. We'll have the ribbon cutting and a um, weekend full of events. And you can find us online at www.oceanacoffee.com. And right. the coffees are all there. Um, the website's still it's a constant development, but uh, you can buy your coffee, and, and we've got flat rate shipping. Uh, all over the country. All right. Uh, anything else you had for Scott? It's, I spent a couple hours with Scott up there a couple of weeks ago, and he gave me a crash course on 21st century micro roasting. And, and uh, all that he does, his passion is amazing, and it was just crazy. He, uh, The techniques and the whole coffee is thousands of years old. And he has the most amazing roaster that's hooked up to a laptop that does all of these uh, different processes and shows them exactly what's going on at the time and the temperature and everything. So it's a beautiful 21st century adventure that you have there. Thanks for sharing it and uh, spending your generous uh, time and your precious time with me. I learned yeah, a lot. It was uh, always a pleasure. I love sharing uh, definitely with chefs and the guys who understand what we do. And you know, It's uh, much more intricate and it's good to share the passion. 
Best right. of luck to you with yeah. the business. Scott, uh, Scott, and uh, see him and his wife, Amy Angelo, there at uh, one of the two locations uh, in the Dequesta area, Oceana Coffee. Thanks for joining us on What's Cooking Palm Beach. Thanks for having me, guys. What a great guy. I'm going to have to stop off uh, for my next coffee fix there at Dequesta. So. Great place, great place. That's it. Uh, and again, um, oceanacoffee.com, O-C-E-A-N-A. You made something I told you my mom makes. And you kind of copied from mom. Now, mom just had a birthday. I'm not saying her age because she'd kill me. But uh, I want to make it to another year myself. But uh, she makes a pot, what what she calls a pot roast, Mm -hmm. which is a brisket. And she makes it a different kind of way than than most people make it. You go to a restaurant, you order a brisket or a pot roast. It's brown. She makes a red one. And you basically copy in from mom. But I'm going to taste that. I made it exactly different than your mother's. 100%. (laughs) But it's got coffee in it. And that's why you did it. Of course it does. It's a coffee coffee. kind of show. Right. So we're going to talk about that. And and better, even better, eat it. (laughs) That's coming up right after this on What's Cooking Palm Beach. Get on your way to a new healthcare career with Lincoln College of Technology. Earn your associate's degree in nursing at their West Palm Beach campus. Learn the skills healthcare employers are looking for and prepare for a new career where you'll have a direct impact on patient care. Their industry contacts can help you launch a new career after graduation. Visit LincolnEDU.com today for student consumer information and to schedule a campus tour. LincolnEDU.com, student-centered training for careers that build America. Welcome back to uh, What's Cooking Palm Beach on WJNO. Uh, I am ex- very excited about this, as if talking about coffee wasn't enough. We're in the kitchen. <laughs> We're in the we kitchen. we got good eats. Uh, you can use coffee uh, for things other than drinks. You can. How about that? Go, go figure. Which you told me about this, and I was kind of like, really? And you know me, mm-hmm. and I, I'm very, very picky eater. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I like, and I like it a lot, but there are a lot of things I don't like. Well, Brisket or pot roast, as my mother calls it, is one thing I love, and she makes it. And I told you about this last week. Uh, she makes it with the potatoes and the this and the mm-hmm. that, and she uses ketchup. And a lot of people will go, "Ew, ketchup!" When I go to uh, you know a diner or wherever, you order pot roast, they're going to serve it in a brown gravy. Yeah, usually that's European yeah. style sometimes. Um, yeah. And um, anyway, you—I don't want to say you copied her thing, but but you, you kind of made it more close. It looks like, and I'm going to eat it in a minute. But <laughs> of course, um, similar to hers, but you braised it in coffee. Yes. Well, I was inspired, and I'm thinking, what am I going to make here that maybe Joe will like? And I have to like to make it too. That's the fun part for me. So I figured maybe I'll start with a brisket. So I used a piece of a brisket, and I used a um, some stew meat. I put them both together. Seared the first. I rubbed them with some salt and pepper and mm. some coffee grounds. Now the coffee grounds were uh, from Oceana. It was. It was the Ethiopian earlier. Limo Natural Blend. Oh wow, that's pretty amazing stuff. I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. You coffee didn't use the I'm... Nicaragua blend that uh, nobody can say. I can't say that one. No, or Guatemala <laughs> with the Guatemala one. Um, but he just, said it pretty well. But <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, this is this might be the first time this amazing coffee's been used for a pot roast. All right, so you're gonna you're gonna tell us what's in this and and all that. And uh, by the way. ChefPantone.com uh, to find all of these recipes that we talk about on the show. Uh, and they're in there after the show and, and through the next oh, yeah. shows and Always all that there. as well. Yep. And then also, what's cooking at ChefPantone.com, P-A-N-T-O-N-E, if you want to email a question. So I'm going to taste this while Why you talk. Why don't you munge a little bit, and I'm going yeah. to talk. And I don't think anything I'm going to say is going to scare you there. So I rubbed it with some salt, some black pepper, some of the coffee grinds, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of onion powder. Let it sit just for a little bit. Then I seared it in a pan, get some nice caramelization on there, brings out the flavor of the spices also. I put that in the slow cooker, right? The recipe is called slow cooker coffee braised brisket with potato and carrots. So I slow cooked it just like you could do at home. Or you put it into an oven very low and slow. And I poured in a cup of this, about two cups of this Ethiopian coffee, which was pretty amazing. Threw in some potatoes, some carrots, and uh, some tomato paste. Worcestershire sauce. How do you say that? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcestershire, yeah. That's it. That lovely brownie uh, sauce. And a little bit of parsley, a little bit of brown sugar. I even put a little drop of honey in there. I was so you didn't use actual flavor. ketchup? No, I didn't My use ketchup My mother will take the Heinz ketchup and just dump it in there. Yeah, I did not do that. I did not Probably not as healthy. Love as Heinz ketchup, it. but it's a different flavor. Yeah, you're from Pittsburgh, yeah. Ketchup is a great ingredient for some things. It's not just for putting on French fries and burgers. It is for, it's an ingredient. It came out as an ingredient, as a condiment. Yep. Let me tell you, this is good. It's not my mom's. I have to say that. Plus, it was just her birthday last week. <laughs> happy birthday, mom. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, mom. But um, it's it's good. What's funny is 
I know that it shouldn't be funny, but I can taste the coffee. I don't think you're supposed to actually taste a coffee taste, are you? Yeah, for me, I maybe want if you I to didn't have, know, I wouldn't. Maybe, but I, I would want you to. Not like, oh my God, this is coffee. I can't taste the beef. No, but when something is well seasoned, there's layers of flavor. So you can taste the coffee, you can taste the beef, you can taste the carrots in there. Even if there's not a carrot in your mouth, you can taste it in the in the sauce that's in there. I cooked it low and slow, so it's really fork tender. And there's subtlety to it. There's subtle flavors of the coffee and uh, of the beef, of the onions, everything in there. That, to me, is a perfectly balanced. Uh, whether you like it or not, that's a different story, but it is perfect for what it is. Well, I'm getting ready to call my mom as soon as we're <laughs> done with this show and, and see if maybe she can add the coffee angle to it. Yeah, tell her that's your uh, – and if she wants to, I, I, can, I think I can tell her how to do that. Mom, yeah. I've been cheating on you. <laughs> uh, good stuff, though. Good stuff. All right, it's called the uh, Slow Cooker Coffee Braised Brisket with Potatoes and Carrots. you think we could come up with a shorter name for that? Yes. Well, sometimes you like to describe the whole – let's just call it what? Beefy yumminess? I don't know. What are you, what are you looking for? <laughs> but you, find it, you can find it right there again at uh, chefpantone.com. I'm going to finish eating this while we go to break and come back. We're going to talk about uh, food in the news and some local food events going on as well right after this on What's Cooking Palm Beach. Check out the all-new Duffy Sports Grill on Village Boulevard. Completely renovated with upgraded seating inside and out. And now over 90 huge True HD TVs to catch all the sports action. Check out Duffy's weekday lunch double play and enjoy a fast and tasty lunch starting at just $5.99. You pick two from a variety of savory soups, freshly prepared salads, or signature half sandwiches, all starting at just $5.99. Visit Duffy'sMVP.com to check out the weekday lunch double play. Duffy'sMVP.com for a location near you. Welcome back once again. What's Cooking Palm Beach? Joel Malkin here, your show all about food. David Pantone, chef and dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute in West Palm, 45th Street, West of 95. Um, tell us about some events going on. It's a very delicious kind of weekend coming up. We've got Winterfest 25 in Claremont, Florida. So that's where a lot of our Florida wineries are. So if you are in the mood to have a beautiful weekend and go and sip wines from a couple of different places, there'll be local artisans, craft people, always good eats. Big one coming up February 19th through the 22nd. That's huge. This is one of the biggest events in the country. It's the South Beach Wine and Food Festival 2015. There's one in Soho every year, and then its partner is down here in South Beach. This is through the TV Food Network. Uh, and Food and Wine Festival, Food and Wine Magazine, all of the top celebrity chefs are there. Some of the, some of the top chefs aren't celebrities, but they're there too. Um, yeah, we were talking about uh, Alton Brown earlier, and he was here uh, at the station uh, last week. But um, also the Martin County Fair is uh, going on actually as well. So Martin that's, uh, County that starts Fair. up this weekend as well. So that's um, that's happening. And then later on this month, the St. Lucie County Fair. I mentioned those because you, you always do what at those fairs? You eat. Eat, yeah. You you're a go. food affair kind of guy, huh? Kind of like the original food truck events when you think about it because you're eating at it, you know. Vehicles. One of my favorite memories a few years ago, Palm Beach Post asked me to go to the, the county fair that we have here, the South Florida Fair, and eat everything from every booth or at least one of each thing and – they photographed it and recorded it, and we critiqued it all as if it was fine wine. It was just a blast. I got to eat everything. Of course, you got the green markets, the uh, the West Palm one. That's uh, a waterfront commons. Uh, Wellington has one as well. The food truck invasions in uh, Wellington as well Thursday evening. So make sure you get out there and, and check out all the uh, all the food events going on. We have some food in the news going on. A uh, um, a local chef makes good. Yeah, we have a new chef at the uh, West Palm Beach Downtown Marriott Hotel. His name is Mark Henry. He comes and joins us. He's the new executive chef there. Welcome, Chef Henry. And uh, he's got a rich history, lots of experience, great accolades. I believe the food and the dining experience up downtown there is going to be elevated. He's hiring new staff. Guess where he went to hire new staff? Uh, Lincoln Culinary Duh, Institute. Of course he did. Yeah, wow. So they're hiring a whole bunch of new people there. And he... Uh, I talked to him. He had great experiences and uh, really passionate about what he does. I think he's going to be a great addition to the uh, our local chef. There's a restaurant that has been in West Palm Beach for 65 years, and it's called Howley's Restaurant. Uh, so many people have been there, and uh, they just uh, have got uh, a, a big uh, big. To, to do about them as well. Yeah, they uh, was named one of the nation's 21 best diners right here in our own wow. area, right on uh, 
4700 South Dixie Highway in West Palm Beach. And the, it's got an interesting look, an authentic Florida modern look. The building, uh, wonderful people hang out there. The food, comfort food, pot roast. Hey, maybe they have what we have here, something like that. Short ribs, liver and onions, all kind of great comforting diner food. And uh, it's been around since 1950. Wow. How cool is that? Uh, before we go, go, you have to tell me about this this cholesterol story that's in the news. In the news. So this is just like what a sneak preview of something that might happen, right? This is, Everybody says this is not official. So, But there's a, the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, right? Advisory committees, people from the outside get together. They, they uh, come up with some ideas and they present a plan. So their plan and their thought doesn't make it necessarily uh, changing rules or anything. So they give their thoughts and their plans to the FDA and to um, the Department of Health and Human Services. And what they're saying is we shouldn't be worried about cholesterol so much, especially dietary cholesterol. Yeah, they're saying cholesterol, what, in things like egg yolks, no longer a, quote, nutrient of concern. Right, uh, no longer of nutrient concern. That's cool. So so how people react to this, they might say, good, we could eat bacon 24-7. I think the FDA is going to have to look at it all, and they're going to decide what they want to recommend. However, the big news, at least what they're saying, and these are experts in the field, right? Uh, 80% is probably hereditary, 20% from the diet, and they might come out with a a guideline that says, here's what I predict, is they're going to say, stay away from the saturated fats. You don't have to stay away so much from the cholesterol. It's really the saturated saturated fat bond in there that's going to harm harm us. And they are still recommending that uh, you have to be really concerned with your LDL cholesterol, your bad cholesterol, right? And uh, they're going to come out with some new guidelines. But I think it's going to be better for those who like to eat meaties. Or, or even eggs. You know, people at one point were scared to eat eggs, you know. Yeah, oh, no fear. No fear. And right, eat whole, unprocessed foods, exercise, get out there, live your life, have a great cup of coffee maybe. All right. It's all good. Thanks for joining us here in the What's Cooking Kitchen. Uh, and join us next time when Chef's Daily Special will be Fresh Florida Produce. Yes, can't wait for that, despite citrus greening. No citrus greening allowed. <laughs> All right, I know the feds just said they were going to spend uh, $30 million, talking about food in the news, $30 million USDA is going to spend to help battle citrus greening, the $9 billion industry citrus here in Florida. So, uh, um, you know, let's we got to eradicate that stuff. It. All right, so we're going to be tasting some of that produce, and uh, that is coming up next week here on What's Cooking Palm Beach. For Chef David Pantone with Lincoln Culinary Institute, I'm Joel Malkin. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to What's Cooking Palm Beach with Chef David Pantone, Dean of the Lincoln Culinary Institute in West Palm Beach. Tune in and find out what's cooking Saturdays from 1 till 2 p.m. on News Radio 1290 WJNO. If you have any questions or ideas on a topic, please email what's cooking at chefpantone.com. That's P A N T O N E.com. What's Cooking Palm Beach is presented by Lincoln Culinary Institute, a division of Lincoln College of Technology, and sponsored in part by Duffy's Sports Grill. Visit Duffy's MVP.com for a location near you.